The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, I love it in Flint. You're very astute. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom, how are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. Thanks again to PG for calling in uh, toward the end of uh, the last hour. We're going to shift gears and talk about something uh, a little bit different this hour, as I am joined by... um, And now let me make sure I get this right, because I am terrible with names and titles. Uh, Dr. (laughs) Melissa Holmes, who is a... uh, gynecologist and works with uh, the folks at American Academy of Pediatrics who has just published a new kind of puberty guide and their first children's book called Uology, A Puberty Guide for Every Body. And uh, we're going to talk about what's different about this particular uh, book with, uh, with Melissa who joins me by phone. Good morning, Melissa. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, what's what's different about this uh, puberty guide, and and why did the um, uh, why did the pediatricians uh, want to take this on? Well, you know, if we, if we all think back to our own puberty education, you know, it, it, it was really awkward. It was kind of brief, and we were all separated by gender. And as soon as you walked out of the room, you wanted to know what was going on in the other room and what they were learning. <laughs> I thought that right? was just and me. <laughs> it was not just you, it's everybody. So what's different about this book is it gives all the information about puberty for all kids. And so, you know, girls will learn about boys, boys will learn about girls. Everybody will learn about gender diverse kids and everybody feels seen. And, and we're just, giving this information so kids can grow up understanding their own bodies and also being more compassionate and supportive for their friends whose bodies may be doing different things than theirs. Now, Melissa, I can't help asking this. Um, The book is geared eh, primarily toward toward, uh, young readers age 9 to 13. There are people out there, I'm sure, that are going to think that for some reason, 9 to 13-year-olds, it's not appropriate to talk about um, some of the things that are included in this particular guide. And specifically, I'm talking about things relating to LGBTQ. Right. Well, we, you know, LGBTQ is a big, it's 
that's a big bucket, right? So we're not talking about sex or sexuality at all in this book. This book is really about how our bodies change. And so the only letter that really applies is the T, which is transgender. And although we're not the resource for transgender kids, we want any kid who's feeling uncomfortable about puberty to find some comfort in this book. And so we're not feeding them any ideas. We're just helping all kids to be seen and supported. And what's really interesting is even for kids that are cisgender, that, you know, are born with female body parts and grow up feeling like a female, they still feel awkward about what's happening to their bodies. So it's a universal feeling that happens to children when they start entering puberty, which, by the way, starts around age eight. So um, we're not really giving them anything controversial. We're just talking about body parts and how they change. Melissa, has that changed when puberty starts? Uh, and, yeah. and the reason I ask is because I'm really old. And <laughs> I, it, it seems like when I was growing up, and, and to this day, I associate puberty much closer to double-digit ages, 10 and into the teens. Um, has, it, has it changed? And, and if so, how come or how? Yeah, the age of puberty is starting earlier, and there's a lot of theories as to why. I mean, we part of it is that the original research that was done on puberty way back before I even went to medical school, and but what I learned <clears throat> was based on studies done on orphans in Europe who were undernourished, and those studies said the average age of puberty was a little older with better nutrition and healthier living, puberty was starting earlier. But that was probably a reflection of just being healthier. Um, But more recently, we have concerns about puberty starting earlier because of some other issues, like possibly some environmental impacts. We know, you know, like things like plastics in the environment, toxins in our foods, definitely have some things that we call endocrine disruptors. They have some chemical properties that mimic hormones, and that's been attributed, you know, some of the earlier puberty development has been attributed to that as well. So there's a lot of things that go into it, but yes, puberty is starting earlier. We used to think it was around 10, um, but now we know it's very normal for some breast development to begin as early as age nine. Um, growth of the testicles starts around age nine as well. So, um, yeah, we're talking about third grade. Is it there so young, doesn't it? It does seem young, and and that's why I, you know, when we talk about this this book being for nine to thirteen year olds, why there might, you know, be some people who say, "Geez, isn't this a little advanced for them?" But, um, but but it really isn't because a book like yeah. this is supposed to be available to people who might be experiencing these things. Right, right. So any third and fourth grader, is whether they're developing themselves or not, they're going to see their peers beginning to develop. And one of the biggest causes of anxiety during the years of puberty is 
not knowing what's happening to your body and being afraid of what's ahead because you're scared, like, what's going on here? What's happening to me? Am I normal? And when we prepare kids with this information before it happens to them, they have less anxiety and they're more prepared to just kind of be confident about their health and, you know, normalize what's going on with them. Is is there a negative um, effect of of puberty starting at younger ages? Is there um, some concern about cognition not keeping up with physical development? Well, you know, we worry there's a condition we call precocious puberty, which is when puberty starts before the even normal ages. So, you know, we see some children that, that show puberty signs as early as five and six, and that's not typical, and that actually warrants a medical evaluation. But even in the young, normal ages, the, the eight-year-old range, yeah, we worry that as bodies change, these children don't have the as you said, the cognitive ability, the mental understanding or maturity that matches their body and they're at greater risk for being taken advantage of through sexual abuse, from people assuming they're older than they are, um, and from harassment. So yeah, for the younger kids, they definitely need extra support if they're starting to show some signs of puberty at earlier ages. What kind of feedback um, have you been getting from people about the book? We have been so excited by the feedback. Um, and I'll tell you, uh, we've written other books. My One of my co-authors and I, we started a company called Girlology many years ago. And our first book was Girlology, a puberty book guide for girls and then we later published guyology the puberty guide for boys and this was back in 2010 2015 um and what was interesting is we had so many people saying oh my son wanted to read the girls book and my daughter wanted to read the boys book and so what's been fun is that some of the feedback has been, I'm so happy we have all this information in one book for everybody. Um, but the other thing that we really appreciate from the feedback is that the language is appropriate for this age group. Um, we've been teaching puberty education to parents and children across the country for 20 years and a long time. And we've learned how to explain things to eight to 10 year olds um, so that they understand, so that it's fun, uh, so that there's a little humor in it that they appreciate and it's not so weird and awkward. Um, and that's the feedback we're getting is that the messaging is on point for this age group. They're reading the book from cover to cover. Uh, and there, and we also have short stories in the book, which I can't take credit for. We, we had a young adult writer write these short stories that kind of present some very typical challenges that young people go through when they go through puberty and it normalizes it for them. And so a lot of people really, a lot of young people really enjoy the stories because they see themselves in them. They're, they feel normal. Um, and that's a big part of, helping our children get through puberty without feeling, you know, I don't want to say traumatized, I don't want to overuse that word, but without, you know, feeling like it's so weird and awkward is when they feel normal. And uh, when we normalize these experiences, it does a lot for them. 
So that's that's been my favorite feedback that we've gotten. Um, we also are getting a lot of feedback from parents who have gender diverse kids who are like, thank you for representing all children and not making my child feel like, you know, a freak or an outsider or completely ignored. Um, so all of that feedback has been really nice. Is this a book that's likely to, to um, show up in schools? I would hope so. Um, again, because it doesn't have anything about sex and sexuality, which is often the problem with some books, especially in elementary schools. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of book bans happening right now for reasons that's that don't why, make a whole lot of sense to that's, me. <laughs> that's why I wanted to bring it up, Melissa, because, you know, between... Um, uh, gender questioning and and gender right. curiousness, and and critical race theory and some other things. I'm I'm reading constantly about how some parents and parent groups um, and political activists are getting involved with uh, with school curricula, and and I just right. wondered if um, if this was something that was going to I, I, I don't know, set off any sparks. It, you know, it may because, yes, we have the words, you know, gender diverse in our book. But here's something really interesting, Tom, that I think, and I'm older too, right? I, um, I don't think people have changed that much. I think our language has changed a lot. And I credit young people with giving us this more robust language to talk about gender. And so when I was young, you had sissies and you had tomboys, right? <laughs> and today we just have better words to talk about people who don't, like a girl who doesn't necessarily like to wear dresses and bows in her hair. So on the gender identity spectrum, I mean, her gender expression is a little more masculine. And so... People haven't changed. Our language has changed. And I think that when parents realize that whether or not they have a gender diverse child in their family, their kids are going to have friends that are, you know, using some of that terminology to, discuss, to describe themselves. And if we want our children to be good friends and you know, supportive people in society, then we also need to get on board with this language that they're using because kids get it way better than adults do. It's just we have to get used to understanding it better. Melissa, I have to take a, uh, a short break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Sure. Be happy to. Okay. My guest is... Um, Melissa Holmes, a doctor from, uh, well, she's a gynecologist working with, um, now where's the, there, there it is, American Academy of Pediatrics. They have a new puberty guide out called Uology, a puberty guide for everybody. And uh, we're going to talk some more about, about that in, uh, when we return, but for right now we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break if you're streaming us at tomsumnerprogram.com we have some messages as well so don't touch that dial don't click that mouse we'll be right back 
Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom General stuff? Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than a thousand dollars now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So, listen. We just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. 
Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and my guest this hour is uh, a um, gynecologist who works with the uh, American Academy of Pediatrics. They have a new uh, guidebook out called Uology, targeted at 9 to 13-year-olds, a puberty guide for everybody. And it does something other quote puberty guides unquote uh, doesn't do. It, uh, it, it includes um, gender diversity in, in uh, some of the subject material and the depictions therein. And my guest is Melissa Holmes, who joins me by phone. Hi, Melissa. Welcome back, and, and um, thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Sure, no problem. Happy to be here. You know, I was thinking just before we went to break, we were talking about um, whether or not this book would end up in uh, in schools and uh, and and how people have been reacting to the book. And and I kept thinking about this. Uh, you were making the point that that um, people really haven't changed that much. We just have. A better understanding and, and better language with which to articulate the differences in people and I was thinking about this this routine and I, I'm gonna play it a little later in the show uh, from Victor Borga and he talks about um, he was talking about coming from Norway and and uh, he makes reference to his two male uncles and he says oh yeah over there we have to specify because we have we have three kinds, male, female, and convertible. <laughs> and, and it's such a funny line, um, but, but it's also from many years ago. It's mm-hmm. not something that's brand new. Is there mm-hmm. something different going on with regard to gender identity now, or is it just simply that we... Um, are defining it more? I believe that we are defining it more, but we're also, especially, you know, as young people come up and have access to, I mean, I think the internet has had a lot to do with it because people can find other people like them. And I think there's more acceptance and support from other people you know when you find when you if you have something different or unusual about yourself and you feel very alone and you suddenly find someone who has something similar going on it feels really good to know you're not alone and i believe that although people haven't really changed our acceptance and our ability to connect with them and create you know just more information has changed In in this book, um, what kinds of things were included, and and how did you decide what would go in the book? I guess maybe a better way to ask that are, what are the questions young people have? <laughs> they they all have the same questions. What's happening to my body? Am I normal? When is this happening? Why am I so hairy there? Uh, how can I get rid of my pimples 
Um, and then people, kids who don't have periods want to know what they're like. I mean, one of the most enlightening things that happened to me, which definitely informed part of how we wrote this book, is we, we teach, you know, parent-child puberty education. Um, and we actually were doing this in co-ed groups. And I had a young boy raise his hand, and we were talking about menstruation, and he raised his hand and said, how fast does that period shoot out? <laughs> you know, and I thought, what a, what a lovely, curious question, because he knew that there was this bleeding, and maybe he's seen some video games that show blood squirting and shooting places, and that was his curiosity. So what I love is that all kids are curious about their own bodies and the bodies of other kids, and they just want answers. There's no underlying secret meaning behind it they're just curious and so really the crux of this book is answering all those questions from foot odor to shaving to athletic cups and bras um, we go through all the things that are new to children as they enter puberty now am i right that the that the book officially comes out today it does today is the launch day um, and, and I assume it'll be available where all fine books are sold. Yes, it is. Um, and if you want bulk orders, you can get those through the American Academy of Pediatrics. Cause I know everybody needs about 50 of these on their shelf. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what about that? Were there pre-orders? Did you get some sense for... Um, yeah, so we showed up do? as a bestseller on the Amazon list already because of pre-orders. So that was pretty exciting. Well, the artwork is amazing. Thank you. Do you want to do you want to talk about uh, the illustrations and and the yeah. illustrator? So Lisa Parrott was our illustrator, and um, Dr. Hutchison, one of the co-authors, and I, um, she's my co-founder in Girlology, we used Lisa for our first book and our second book, and so she knows us so well, and she knows our voice, and she knows how we really pride ourselves in being able to communicate this health information to eight to 10 year olds. Um, and so when the American Academy of Pediatrics asked us to write this new book for them, we insisted on bringing our artist along um, because she just has such a great way of, of making these illustrations representative of all sorts of body types and skin colors and activities. And they're also just kind of fun and cartoony. So it's not too detailed for young people, um, but just enough. Well, this is, um, this is fascinating because it, it almost seems as though um, the issue of gender diversity is somehow new like it just all of a sudden popped up a few years ago and there there aren't resources which is one of the reasons why it seems like it came so out of the blue is because this hasn't been taught anywhere before right it really has been left out of mainstream 
puberty education. Um, and especially when we're still separating kids by gender to learn about puberty. Um, you know, I, I think that when we bring all kids together and we let them ask their questions in front of each other, they really recognize that, again, this curiosity and they become a little more compassionate towards each other. Like, you know, spontaneous erections in the sixth grade can be really embarrassing. So can having a period accident. And they hear each other talking about <laughs> those gonna, things. I was going to say that's when I developed my love for sweaters. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, untucking your shirt and things like that. So um, they just become more compassionate towards each other. And I think that gives us the opportunity to have them be better. I mean, they'll communicate better with each other as they get older and as they enter relationships and they support each other in relationships. It's not so awkward to have these conversations that have previously been taboo or, you know, such secrets that nobody had any understanding. Now, I, I know that the, the this particular guide is not really about sexuality, but are there right. references to, to reproduction in it? And, and the reason I ask is because as we talk about, you know, awareness at, at those early ages, you know, in, in, toward the end of uh, elementary school and into junior high school, um, mm -hmm. I, I remember some of the theories we had <laughs> that were just oh, yeah. so, so odd. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how does that happen? Um, no, we because we've been leading, like I said, teaching puberty and reproductive health education for so many years with parents and children together. And we've learned that a lot of parents get really nervous when we start talking about sex and sexuality because values and, you know, have to play a big part in that. But puberty is just matter of fact. It is what it is. There's no value proposition in puberty. It is going to happen, and it happens in a pretty predictable way. And so the other thing is, as you mentioned, there's so many funny preconceived or, or mysterious things about sex that kids don't understand. But if you give them a foundation of understanding their body and normalizing talking about their bodies and their intimate parts and all of that, then introducing reproduction, like the science of reproduction, which is how we do it for fifth graders, um, becomes a more normalized conversation and just another part of kind of this sciencey thing. And then they're ready to talk about sexuality, which again is also separate from reproduction. Um, and so I have always been a big believer that, you know, there's not two big talks. There's not a puberty talk and a sex talk. There is, there are ongoing conversations. Um, but when we allow kids to understand puberty before we jump into reproduction and sexuality, they just have a better foundation for having those conversations and uh, feel a little more comfortable with it. Um, but we do recommend following very quickly with talking about reproduction once they understand puberty because those questions do come very naturally. But this book doesn't have anything about sex in it. I think we talk about the fact that our bodies go through puberty so that one day we can have babies if we choose to. Um, and also, you know, so we can become the best versions of our adult selves. But we don't go into sex and reproduction in this book. We have other resources that do that. There's, there's this debate going on about 
transgender sports participation. And mm-hmm. what I'm wondering is, and I know this is for kids going through puberty, um, but is there a point where um, kids wonder, why am I different? You know, why am I a boy who doesn't have as much upper body strength as other boys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that when kids don't grow up with the support and open discussions to talk about gender and to recognize that the sex that was assigned at birth may not match their gender identity, if they're not ever allowed to explore those thoughts, then yes, they they grow up thinking, why am I weird? Why am I, why am I not like everybody else? You know, what's wrong with me is the big thing they worry about. And that's why so many of our kids that identify as transgender have, you know, problems with mental health and a suicide rate that's vastly higher than any other adolescent suicide rates. And that's one more reason why these kids need extra support and love and just to be seen for who they are and for us to, you know, let them figure this out as they go. I mean, our job is to support and love our kids unconditionally, right? Not to help them become what we think they should become. Um, And I think that when we do that with them, they have fewer of those thoughts about what's wrong with me. And they're allowed to be like, this is who I am. In recognizing Um, the differences um, and, and, looking at it in a very individualized way and I'm and I'm thinking of all those forms I've filled out for the last many decades you know that that had boxes for male or female right um, are, are we eventually going to have like a next page <laughs> with all of these different yeah. you know, possibilities that's a good question. I mean, I don't know the answer to it. I'm seeing more forms that offer an other box. Um, but again, even, you know, it's such a complex conversation. And there's, and, you know, our biology does determine a lot of things about our health. And so as a, as a gynecologist, I have traditionally taken care of you know, what we could have considered women, but really female sex assigned at birth and all their body parts. Um, and I do know that our hormones and our biology and every cell in our body has a different chromosomal analysis, chromosomal makeup than somebody that has XY chromosomes, right? That's a classic male. And so I think there's so many intricacies to this that we just, I don't know the answer. I mean, I, I think you're asking a good question, but I certainly don't have the answer to that. Well, I think I, that we struggle seen... with that some now, even in, in healthcare. For those of us that work in women's health, there's this pushback about, well, you know, are you inclusive of trans women as well or trans men? You know, well, is this still women's health care? And I think that we still are trying to fill gaps that have been left open because traditionally women have been left out of the research agenda. They've been left out of funding. They've been, you know, they haven't been included in a lot of studies. 
Um, and so I think there still is a place for us to really focus on women's health. But at the same time, I, I am also interested in being inclusive and caring for people who identify as women who don't have the same biology. So it's so complex. Um, and our job as physicians is really just to take care of each individual based on their personal health history. Um, and that's how I always try to stay grounded. Well, I've just been watching the acronym LGBTQ plus grow mm-hmm. over the years. <laughs> and, right. And, and I've actually seen it longer than it appears in the press for this book. Um, right. And, and, and it makes me wonder, are, are we... Are we going to get to a place where um, we end up with so many different uh, definitions of gender assignment that we end up, like, like the autism spectrum, having to put a bunch of things into one umbrella? Right. Right. I think that, you know, the more we learn and the more people who begin to advocate for themselves, the more options are put on the table. But, yeah, I don't know where it stops. And I, and I think that eventually things get bundled and depending on the perspective you're looking at it from. So if you're looking at it from a health perspective, you may bundle some of those letters together in one bundle. Um, if you're looking at it from a, you know, sports perspective, you may bundle some of those letters together and leave some others out. So I, I think it's, it, there's so many different ways to slice it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying. We do, we are continuing to expand our understanding. And I think a lot of people like to be, um, you know, we all want to be known, and there's just so much individual individualizing happening that we sometimes we lose sight of our groups and our communities. Is is physical sports and and competition, um, and and um, uh, what was and, and sexuality, are are these the primary reasons why we can't just say what difference does it make? No, our society is so big on sports, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that everybody just, I think there's a lot of fear. I think, I think we fear things we don't understand. And when we fear things, sometimes we're not willing to listen. Um, and I, you know, I don't know whether it comes out of sports or comes out of our own fears of how it might affect me. Um, but I think there's a lot of people who aren't willing to listen and aren't willing to open their minds or their hearts to understanding people who are different from them. Um, so, I, again, I, I'm just a gynecologist. I don't have all those kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, but but the, it is a lot to think about. But the problem is there are so few people to talk to this about that, you know, that... that it it raises these questions for me because you know I read the news like everybody else and I I, I see mm-hmm. some people are really up in arms about some of these issues. Other people seem to be yeah pretty open to you know whatever, and mm-hmm. and and it just seems like um, 
this book is a great place for young people to start understanding before it gets any more confusing than it already is. That's, you know, I love that you said that, and I hope that's what this book does for them. I also hope, I really hope that parents will read this book because I think it will give them some insights, too, into the fact that these are just kids. These are just kids trying to figure out their bodies, and some of them feel good in their bodies, and some of them don't feel good in their bodies. And the more we can do to help them feel okay, the better future they'll have. So. That's kind of my my hope. Well, it's a uh, it, it's a fascinating subject and an interesting project to be sure. My guest is uh, gynecologist Melissa Holmes. She is an MD and she works uh, um, with the American Academy of Pediatrics and and did on their. Uh, book, uh, A New Kind of Puberty Guide, and uh, AAP's first children's book, Uology, A Puberty Guide for Everybody, which uh, includes um, LGBTQ plus information um, in in a way that's designed for 9 to 13 year olds. And it's I, I really appreciate you spending this time with me and the listeners this morning, Melissa. And I always ask mm-hmm. guests where listeners can find out more about what we've been talking about. Does AAP have a website or do you have a website that you'd like to share? Yeah, I have a website called Girlology, um, which we are focused more on girls' health. Uh, and then Uology is available through Amazon or the American Academy of Pediatrics. And I think you can, uh, they have a publishing, uh, a publications tab, and it will be listed under there. Well, again, Melissa, this was uh, great, and thank you so much. Keep up the good work. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me All and right. for the great conversation. Take care. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Once again, that was... Um, Let me make sure and get this right. Um, Gynecologist Melissa Holmes. And uh, we're going to have more of the Tom Sumner program coming up in uh, just a few minutes. But I want to thank PG again for um, joining me. uh, Well, it was about an hour ago. And talking about our event tomorrow at the White Horse. she and I are getting together. She's going to emcee the event. We're launching the 15th year of the Tom Sumner program in Civilized Talk Radio. Sponsors, donors, and past guests are invited to help us celebrate the show's past and reignite its future. It's time to return the Tom Sumner program to its pre-pandemic excellence. And uh, you all pay play an important role and I hope you'll drop by the White Horse tomorrow at 4 p.m. There's pizza and um, we're going to have some some fun conversations about the uh, future of the Tom Sumner program and I hope you'll be part of it. It's the uh, Tom Sumner program 50th or 15th, don't want to get ahead of myself, 15th anniversary listener appreciation party at the White Horse at 4 p.m. That's the White Horse on Court Street near downtown Flint, and uh, I hope to see you there. 
In the meantime, we're going to take a short break, but there's still lots more of the Tom Sumner program today yet to go. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque riverway. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Cloth or disposable? Paint or wallpaper? Yellow or green? Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet? Rocker or glider? So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice. Vaccination. To protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis, and whooping cough. That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage, basketball or soccer. So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hey, why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas. You're not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg. Look, these days price swings of 30 or 40 cents per gallon aren't unusual. But when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time. But when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop Attorney Generaling! We got a concert to get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. 
This is Attorney General Dana Nessel. If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov slash AG. Put those away. We're at a gas station. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Now, in order for you to understand what I'm going to do next, I have to go way back and speak about my great-grandfather, whom we traced back to Marie Antoinette. As a matter of fact, my great-grandmother traced him back there a couple of times. <laughs> but he was partly responsible for the birth of my grandfather. He thought. My grandfather was born in Denmark. He was Danish after his mother and Swedish after a friend of his father's. <laughs> he was one of the great inventors of his time. He invented the burglar alarm, which unfortunately was stolen from him. <laughs> he was a brilliant man. He was, among other things, a PhD. Just a f- <laughs> So was his wife. However, besides being a brilliant f- he also was a great chemist. He was the one who invented the cure for which there was no disease in the world. Unfortunately, his wife later caught the cure and died. (laughs) He was a strange personality. He always experimented with something. Once he, um, he crossed an Idaho potato with a sponge. Imagine that silly idea. It tasted horrible but it sure held a lot of gravy. (laughs) I think his greatest invention was a soft drink, which he called Four Up. But it wasn't successful at all. So he invented Five Up. But still it didn't click, you know. Then came six up. But still nobody liked it. So he gave up and died heartbroken a couple of weeks later. But little did he know how close he came. (laughs) (laughs) Then I was born, and when that happened, my parents were, well, they were not poor, but they didn't have any money. So I was actually born at home. And when my mother saw me, she was taken to the hospital. (laughs) One day, when I was four years old, my father came home. And he found me in the living room in front of a roaring fire, which made him very angry because we didn't have a fireplace. (laughs) 
There I sat, and here my father stood, burning up. <laughs> he pointed at me. See, my father was left-handed. He always pointed this way. I was sitting on the other side. <laughs> so my father said, Borger. He didn't know my first name. <laughs> See, in my father's family, we had a little trouble up here. In the head. My father was all right, but his two brothers, my male uncles. <laughs> you know, in Denmark, we always distinguish, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the fact that we have three sexes over there. <laughs> Male, female, and convertible. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I was supposed to have been back to Denmark this summer. But I ain't going. Oh, once I made up my mind what I was going to be, and that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> what I meant to tell you before was, and this is not a joke, this is really a fact, that two weeks ago, we celebrated my uncle's 103rd birthday. Isn't that something? Thank you very much. 103rd birthday. Unfortunately, he wasn't present. <laughs> How could he be? He died when he was 29. <laughs> but what I meant to say was that he was the one who went crazy. And his mother used to say that he went crazy because he never got the woman he loved. And that's a lot of nonsense because his brother went just as crazy. <laughs> and he got her. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Down a hollow to a 
a cavern where the sun has never shone. Like a door that keeps revolving in a half-forgotten dream. Oh, the ripples from a devil someone tosses in a stream. And like a clock whose hands are sweeping past the minutes of its face. And the world is like an apple whirling silently in space. Like the circles that you find in the windmills of your mind Keys that jingle in your pocket Words that jangle in your head Why does summer go so quickly? Was it something that you said? Lovers walk along the shore And leave their footprints in the sand Is the sound of distant drumming Just the fingers of your hand And pictures hanging Remembered names and faces But to whom do they belong And when you knew that it was over You were suddenly aware That the autumn leaves were turning To the colors of his hair Like a circle in a spiral Like a wheel within a wheel Never ending or beginning On a never spinning reel As the images on Like the circles that you find In the windmills of your mind Your mind, yeah, yeah. Oh, 
Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. Tom Sumner. 